0: Good day, everyone, and welcome to Current Affairs. I'm Frank Downhauer, Managing Director of the Center for Anthroposophical Endeavors. It is my honor to serve as your host for Harry Salmon's talk on the war in Ukraine. Harry has extensive experience studying the people, culture, and social changes that have occurred in Eastern Europe since the fall of the Soviet Union, and I think you will find he has many insights into the current crisis to share with us. Before we begin, I wish to invite everyone participating in this talk today to actively formulate questions and join with us in an online discussion afterwards. When you have your question to ask, you can raise your virtual hand located at the bottom of the screen. By clicking on the hand, it will turn blue indicating that you have raised it. If you wish not to ask your question because your question has already been answered, please make sure you unselect it. When I get to your question, I will call on your name and ask that you unmute. A box will appear on your screen asking you to do just that. But before you ask your question, please state your name and where you're from. Please also keep your questions as succinct as possible. I will try to select each question on a first come first serve basis. We'll also see how it goes in devoting 45 minutes to get through as many of your questions as possible. For unanswered questions, I would direct you to comment section where we'll post the talk afterwards. Also, please join us in two weeks when we'll have a talk by Boyd Collins about the developing metaverse. This is the next incarnation of the internet. and is happening right now. With that said, what is our current state of affairs? To put Harry's talk in context, I would like to share with you some brief reflections on that very question starting from the beginning of this decade, 2020. I believe we all can agree that humanity around the world is trying still to make sense of many shocking blows that have torn to pieces the world's social and economic fabric of our respective societies. These blows would include, but are not by any means limited to the COVID-19 pandemic, the economic lockdowns and mandatory isolations, mask mandates and social distancing. For most all of 2020, while the death toll rose, the world was told that there was no suitable solution to the COVID-19 pandemic, except for a vaccine. No other repurposed drug for early treatment was allowed to be publicly acknowledged without severe personal consequences. If COVID-19 set the stage for this decade, The call for the U.S. presidential election on November 7th, 2020, set the pace for the world to follow. Interestingly, two days later, Pfizer releases the news that their vaccine is ready. Financial, business, government, G7, and global elites all fell in lockstep with the UN, the WHO, and the World Economic Forum. They all stopped hiding their intentions and alliances toward creating a new global system of governance, and all started to openly speak and move together in unison. Mass censorship, stricter lockdowns, vaccine passports, restricted travel, COVID camps, house arrests, and forced vaccination or lose your livelihood, not to forget a country's emergency powers evoked against its own people or just a small sample of what followed. Meanwhile, in China, China steps up its aggression against Taiwan tenfold. Russia begins to amass forces along the Ukraine border. Iran begins openly to enrich its uranium and does so from 20% at the end of 2020 to 60% 60 by mid last year. America forces abruptly pull out of Afghanistan leaving hundreds of its own citizens and promised refugees behind, along with over $800 billion of military equipment and weaponry. Afghanistan, by the way, is a country that has been widely reported as having an estimated $3 trillion worth of rare earth metals, which is the new oil of the fourth industrial revolution. This is important, along with following the money, because about the same time BlackRock the world's largest asset management firm with 10 trillion in assets under management as of last year set up its headquarters in China. JP Morgan followed soon after. This is just a tiny fraction of events that have taken place since the beginning of 2020. There is so much more that can be said about the state of affairs, especially concerning the systematic collapse of America and its silent war on its people as the as a segue to the Great Reset. But to conclude, the most recent development in world affairs that is right now affecting the global power structure is the agreement signed by Russia and China to purchase and collaborate on everything from agriculture products, oil and gas to space defense. Today, other countries are considering the same agreement with Russia and China, including the Saudis accepting the yuan for purchase of oil. Two weeks after signing agreement with Russia and China, Putin commences his war on Ukraine. These events, however, are just the outer shell of a big global nut of which we have yet to crack open its contents. Fortunately, Harry Salmon is very skilled at cracking open nuts, and I'm very happy to have him join us to crack and unpack this nut with a focus on current events surrounding Ukraine. Harry has enormous experience in seeing through the fog of this war and its current and future consequences. As a philosopher and cultural historian who is fluent in over a dozen languages, Harry travels regularly throughout Eastern Europe, giving talks and meeting people. Harry is notably the author of The Social World as Mystery Center and The Great Reset and its Health Dictatorship. I would suggest those two books are great guides to understanding the situation in which we live, and the courses of action we can take to safely navigate through these difficult times to a right future. Harry, thank you very much for
1: being here with us. You're welcome. Good morning to you folks in uh, in North America. Um, I here as, as a European. I'm already um, moving towards the evening, um, and I intend to give you in this talk some brief view of the history of russia the history of the ukraine then about recent events so that are often difficult to to assess i will speak about vladimir putin as a human being but also as the chief ideologist of a new system in russia and um, i will speak about geopolitics and um, because the ukraine is not just a, a faraway corner Um on on the map of the world, but it is a central piece of um, geopolitical interest and clashing interests. Um, I will also speak about the consequences and I will have a look at the intentions that spiritual teachers in the early 20th century um, spoke about the future of Russia and the future of global culture. And in them, um, Russia will play a significant role and the question we have to pose is: um, How is this affecting these events? Um, affecting the future of global culture. So when I start talking about Russia, uh, we are talking about an, an, a, a kingdom or a tsardom that was founded by Swedish Vikings in the 9th and tenth centuries. Um, this this empire comprised all the Russian speaking um, tribes extending from Kiev in the south to Novgorod in the north and Moscow in the northeast. Um, this Russian Empire was uh, attacked in um, the 13th century by Mongolian forces, the so-called Tatars, who conquered most of the Russian lands and um, exacted tribute from all these Russian uh, small uh, kingdoms. Um, that had come out of this original uh, Russian empire from Kiev. Um, So Russia lost its uh, independence already in the 14th century, and it took them more than 200 years to to retrieve their uh, territory starting from Moscow. Um, The Ukraine um, was not included in this new Russian Moscovite empire because from the Western uh, part, Lithuanian forces and also later Polish forces took possession of most of the Ukraine. And they held that for about 400 years. And only in uh, the 18th century, um, Russia began to enter um, the territories of the Ukraine uh, because they um, they be- they were able to beat uh, the Polish-Lithuanian uh, Confederation. And also they were able to um, to beat uh, Cossack forces, which are um, uh, groups of people calling themselves Kozaks. Uh, maybe uh, you've heard about the Don Cossacks, uh, famous for also their singing traditions. Um, and they had an autonomous territory um, in the south of Russia, uh, where they ruled themselves. And this tradition of self-rule, self-government, continues to play a role in this territory Uh, of the Ukraine, um, that means in the eastern part of the Ukraine, where the Cossacks were living, but also in the western part of the Ukraine, another kind of movement had um, been created under the influence of Catholic, um, Lithuanian, uh, Polish culture. Uh, So they received uh, um, education from um, western countries and um, started to develop into their own directions different from the orthodox traditions that came from Moscow. Um, When um, Russia was taking back these territories which had 1000 years earlier belonged to this first Russian empire, uh, then uh, they met with um, Ottoman, which is Turkish territories, um, in the Crime- Turkish forces in the Crimea, um, which also had to be defeated. So This whole process took um, place in the 18th century, and Russia took possession of these new countries that they called New Russia, um, where um, Russian colonists established themselves um, in this almost uh, empty territory, which was called um, in Russian Ukraina and this means border territory, the fringe territory. Uh, So it was for some time the fringe of the Russian Empire, um, created by Peter the Great in the early 1700s. And so these um, Russian settlements extended more and more to to the south, to the Crimea, which is to the Black Sea, but also in the direction of Odessa. So the southern and eastern part of the present-day Ukraine has a largely Russian population. They are Russian Orthodox, Uh, they represent um, Moscow, uh, the the few of Moscow, they speak the language that is the same as in in Moscow. They watch Russian television. And in the central part and in the western part of Ukraine, we have a population that is almost um, um, completely Ukrainian speaking, it is um, it is an, an independent language that does not differ very much from Russian, but still it is a different language which people have to learn um, in school when they are Russian speaking. So that for them is their second language, and also Ukrainian speaking people have Russian as their second language because they so that they can perfectly um, well understand. And the Russian speaking part of their population, which is about 40%, I would 30 or 40% of the population is speaking Russian in the Ukraine, and some 60% is speaking Ukrainian, but mainly in the Western part and in Kiev. So we have, in fact, two cultures in one country uh, Ukrainian culture, which is more closely related already for centuries with Poland in the West, and we have a Russian-speaking part of the population with its own culture that is connected with Russia, that is connected with Moscow. And for many uh, of us, it is a strange situation that um, a country has two um, different cultures, two different languages, that is a split between two parts of the Ukraine. Um, And um, in order to understand this, we have to look at a bit of modern history when um, in this first world war um, russia and germany were fighting on 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 the on the eastern in on ukraine territory um, and the germans created um, a protectorate um semi-autonomous territory um, which they had liberated from the russian Tsar. Um, and it was important for the germans because of all um, the wheat that was growing in the Ukraine and also because of oil reserves. Um, it was possible for the Germans to create this protectorate because um, the Russian forces were losing their war with Germany. The Russian Tsar had difficulties and he was ousted in 1917 in the October Revolution, um, which um, brought the communists to power. At first, the communists under Lenin uh, were happy to be in control of a territory around Moscow. Uh, but in the long run, they wanted to extend their power um, in all, to all the territories that had once belonged to the Russian Tsar, which included Siberia, Central Asia, the Caucasus Mountains in the south, but also the Ukraine. But the Ukraine had, had this short period um, from 1917 onwards for a couple of years of autonomy and almost independence, uh, but with conflicts between the Eastern and the Western part of the Ukraine. So it was from the beginning a divided country and according to Putin, Lenin made a mistake when he created the Soviet Union to include within the borders of the of the, of the Soviet Republic, Ukraine, so many millions of Russians. So in fact uh, putin is does not forgive this fail, this this fail, uh, mistake to lenin and in a sense he wants to repair this mistake by bringing the russians in the ukraine back to russia and that would include territorial extension um this um, this, this, this 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 conflict between the western and eastern part of the Ucra- of the ukraine has still another dimension that was uh, triggered by the rise of fascist states in Germany with Hitler, but also other countries uh, in Eastern Europe and the Balkans became fascist regime, fascist, uh, like also Italy and Spain and Portugal. So large parts of Europe had become fascist. but also in the Western part of the Ukraine, where there was still a very strong resentment towards um, the Soviet the Soviet Union that had in- incorporated uh, the Ukraine that had organized um, famines in the Ukraine because the Russian, because the Ukraine farmers did not want to, uh, to, be, to, to take part in a collectivized, in a collective agricultural system. Um, and there were many atrocities committed by the Soviets. In the Ukraine against Russians and the Ukrainians alike living there in this territory. So there was after 19, after the, the foundation of the Soviet Union, there was a permanent guerrilla movement in the western part of the Ukraine among Ukrainian-speaking people uh, with their roots in, Euro- in, in Central European culture and uh, that fought against the Red Army. Um, and among these um, these um, people in Western in the Western Ukraine, um, this fascist movement also took hold, um, and people were looking with expectation to um, Germany, hoping that Germany at one moment would restore autonomy for the Ukraine and give them their own state, and this in fact was what uh, the Germans wanted to do when they invaded the Soviet Union in 1941, they tried to liberate the Ukrainians um, who really have uh, to some extent uh, considered the German forces as liberators, hoping that they would um, indeed uh, receive this autonomy and that they would be able to rule themselves. Um, and from this, one of important person in this, in this fascist, uh, in this fascist uh, group was Stefan Bandera, who is still known as a leader of resistance against communism and well known as a fascist. Uh, but the Germans did not trust him and they wanted to rule Ukraine themselves. And they placed Bandera and some fascist friends into prison and brought, sent him to a concentration camp uh, in Dachau in Germany. Um, so, but the Germans, they gave some autonomy and at least some sense of autonomy uh, to, to many ukrainians who were longing uh, to, to to get rid of the, the soviet um, influence but after germany lost the war ukraine was um, conquered again by the red army and it was it became again part of the soviet union but for some for several decades in the western part of the Ukraine, this guerrilla movement um, went on that had its support among people with this earlier fascist ideology. Um, Now Putin likes to call them neo-Nazis, which in fact they are not. And Putin speaks about a fascist or neo-Nazi legion, uh, the so-called Azov Brigade, that is fighting against um, the Russian forces in the east of the Ukraine. And um, I would not call this a Nazi group. There are certainly some fascist influences um, in the political system of the Ukraine, but it is not, not possible to call this the regime uh, of Zelensky, the fascist or neo-Nazi regime. Uh, this is only a fringe group in the political system of the Ukraine. Um, so there are these tensions that are connected with um, the whole territory of the ukraine it is a territory with a western part and an eastern part which do not really fit together so putin is right as he said lenin made a mistake by um, leaving so many russians within the soviet republic of the ukraine that was founded in the early 1920s um, but so this is the legacy of history and people have to live with it we have to live with it um, there are many more countries where different languages are spoken and where different ethnic groups have to live together um, it is of course a question which group is dominant and how much autonomy they give to minority groups who speak another language or belong to other tribes or nations um, and this has become problematic in the 20th century history of the Ukraine. Um, Like in many other East European countries, um, the 19th century brought a wave of national awakening among the different nations living in the East of Europe. Um, The Poles, the Czechs, the Slovaks, the Hungarians, uh, the Romanians, Uh, the Bulgarians and then people living in former Yugoslavia they all went in the 19th century through a period of national awakening so they became uh, conscious of their cultural heritage of their past of their of their own qualities as a nation and they to some extent started to think that each of these nations had its own mission in the world Um, and so when you believe too strongly in your own mission as a nation and there are minorities, then you cause problems for people who belong to minority groups. Because what kind of uh, mission can they fulfill when they belong to a nation uh, that's uh, outside of their own territory? Um, and in Eastern Europe, there has always been a situation where many national groups live within one nation. So there were countries like Slovakia. Or um, or um, Hungary, or Yugoslavia, where people from five, six different nationalities lived together. And, and where also uh, many languages were spoken by many people because they had to learn several languages to be able to speak with their neighbors or go to the market or go to the administration. Um, and also there were many Jews in all those countries, but it is another culture. Um, So, Eastern Europe passed through its national awakening, as they call it, the revival of their own national culture. Um, But when you become uh, too much self-aware of the importance of your own nation, then, as I said, um, people from the minority groups have the problem, and especially when this national consciousness turns into nationalism. And then we really have a problem because the leading nation wants to impose its own language to all the minorities. Um, and this is usually not accepted. And so the minorities try to connect with the people of their own nation who live across the border in another country. Um, and that means all these borders that came about after the First World War were artificial. Um, and were, there was in fact no pure nation because within the borders of all these East European nations, people from different nationalities were living and you could not separate them except through ethnic cleansing, um, which also happened to some extent. Um, so the, this is the problem that um, Rudolf Steiner, this uh, founder of the anthroposophical movement, Wanted to solve because he also saw that his own country, Austria-Hungary, that had 15 different nations and 12 different languages, um, was struggling to survive in a time when 1917 the American president Wilson promised them um, self-determination. Um, so all these, there were all um, and all these nations became independent but they had minorities within their borders. Um, so Steiner proposed to create areas of culture that are free, that go across borders, so that people have the autonomy to create as a minority their own schools and their own, um, their own libraries, their own cultural associations and their own cultural parliament. Uh, So, this would have been a solution to problems in countries where you have many minorities. If they have, when they have cultural freedom, then they can have a sphere uh, in which they can develop their own identity. And then uh, this would not turn the area of politics or economy into a battlefield. But this advice that came from Steiner in this program of social threefolding. Um, was not accepted by the leaders of Germany and Austria Hungary. Um, and so it was not made effective. And instead, um, areas of culture uh, uh, became national territories in which minorities had to follow the rules of the majority speaking another language. So, this also is a very important context to understand the situation in Ukraine. Um, So when we look at what happened just in the last decades, uh, we see that in 1989, um, the Iron Curtain broke down, the Soviet Union broke down in 1991. And so new states emerged um, out of this former Soviet Union, including Russian territory, the Ukraine, and also Kazakhstan and some smaller states in the Caucasus and Central Asia. Um, For many people this was a shock because suddenly 25 million Russians were not living in Russia anymore, where formerly they had been members of Citizens of the Soviet Union, so they became suddenly minorities in the new states, in the Ukraine and Kazakhstan primarily. So this created unrest under these groups, um, and um, and uh, they they tried um, to extend their political influence, and so in the Ukraine this led to a situation where. Um, in elections, usually um, half of the sea, half of the votes went to the Western-oriented parties, and the other half of the votes went to Russian, Russia-oriented parties. So there was always an, an an uneasy balance between those two groups. At one time, um, the, prime, the, the government, the administration, would be led by Russian-speaking people. And at other times, it could be led by Ukrainian-speaking people. So there was such a situation in 2004. You may remember, there was a Russian um, um, politician, Yanukovych, who had won the elections. But it was clear that it was fraudulent. And so there was in Kiev a revolt led by Yushchenko. Um, who was the Ukrainian-speaking person. And in this this conflict in Kiev, um, he was um, poisoned by clearly uh, the Russian secret service. Um, And this created such an anger among uh, Ukrainian-speaking people that, uh, uh, that a revolution took place in 2004 in which um, this Russian-speaking politician um, had to give way to the Ukrainian-speaking person. Um, But there's another complication in Ukrainian politics, which mostly we are not aware of. Um, The leading powers in the Ukraine are oligarchs. So leaders of industrial conglomerates who were exercising power through different political parties. So the parties are just the fronts, but behind the screen is the rivalry between different oligarchs, between different powerful economic um, bosses who were able to divide the riches and the wealth of the Ukraine a series of privatizations that took place also in in Russia. Um, Putin has been able to subjugate um, the Russian oligarchs but this has not happened in the Ukraine. So in fact they rule the Ukraine through different politicians Um, and so it is not um, decisive um, who is voting who because the ukraine and in russia and in many countries of the world there are no honest elections but there is always fraud but the point is who is able to commit the fraud and get away with it so soon after Yushchenko had taken over power in 2004 he lost the next elections and another ukrainian candidate came and then yanukovych came back and this same yanukovych in 2000 13 uh, was offered two, two possibilities of economic cooperation uh, one agreement with the European Union and another one with, with Russia and Yanukovych this meant representing Russian um, interests uh, would like to have had both um, uh, associations, with the two economic powers around him, the European Union and Russia. But this was not not accepted by the European Union. Um, They wanted to have this um, this, uh, unilateral agreement with the Ukraine, and then the Ukraine would would have to choose um, for connection with the European Union instead of an economic block with the Soviet Union. Um, well, this created um, a problem because ultimately um, this, uh, Russia, this Ukrainian president Yanukovych um, chose for Russia, and this provoked um, discontent among the other half of the population that um, that um, that, um, that um, revolted and created this Maidan revolution in. 2013 um, and the Russian politician Yanukovych had to flee to Russia um so this is um this 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 political story um reveals um, interest groups um behind the curtain the economic olicar- the, the economic power of the oligarchs who create who are responsible, for a highly corrupt country. Well, the Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries of the world where you can buy everything. Uh, a few days ago, I had a talk also on the Ukraine and um, there were some Russian friends there. And they said, well, in the old Soviet Union, you could buy your diplomas. Uh, you could ask somebody else to write your PhD and then to, you, receive, you would receive this title yourself all kinds of degrees could be bought and this is still in many countries of the world um, it's also in the ukraine and um, and then you don't pay the police the normal salary and you don't pay officials a normal salary they have to earn something extra and so this they earn through uh, bribes and uh, that people who seek um uh, some Uh, some benefit from the government Um, um, they have to bribe an official or they have to bribe a policeman and so this creates an instability in a country where you cannot rely on the honesty of public servants um i also remember another situation that was in 1991 when um i was um guest of the police, uh, the chief of police in Irkutsk, and he asked me to give a seminar uh, to the staff of the police in Irkutsk, which is a city of two million people, um, on the chain on changing the image of the police. Um, he knew that the police had a very bad image, uh, an image of corruption when uh, a police stops you on the street, and asks you for your personal papers. Then, uh, you are advised to put some money, a bill of money, in into your into your pay, among your papers, and then the police will take it and say it's okay. Just go on. And um, so, at some time, yeah, in the time of, at the last in the last years of Gorbachev, there was this will to change um, this image of the police and of politicians and to create a normal state, a state a rule of law. Um, so I did a seminar and I gave examples of the role of the police in Western countries. Um, but still I have in my in my memory that everywhere in Eastern Europe where I met the police, I had to be on my guard uh, because they were expecting money from me. And um, even in situations where I had not offended uh, any rule of traffic. So Ukraine is a very corrupt country um, where politicians don't have um, a good reputation, where um, the present president, um, uh, Zelenko, or Zelensky, Zelensky uh, was well known as an actor in a television series uh, called The President, where he, played the role of a president um, uh, who had, in his earlier life, been a school schoolteacher. Uh, so it was a very popular series. Um, and when he started uh, a political career, he took all, um, 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 all, his, all his popularity from his television shows as an actor into his new role new uh, role as presidential candidate, and he won the elections. Uh, So um, Zelensky is a former actor, um, and he is not a man with a big vision. Um, And he uh, he shows himself now as a strong man um, um, on Western television screens, and he speaks to Western parliaments. Uh, But we have to keep in mind that he is a former actor playing a role now as the president, um, and yes, um, and we also have to know this: he is a big friend of the World Economic Forum. Uh, so it is a, a, a difficult situation with such a man in charge, who um, who is making friends in the West and who is ready um, to serve their interests. It is clear that Putin does not accept the Ukraine serving Western interests. And this brings me to another another context. It is the context of geopolitics. About a hundred years ago, um, English um, geopolitical analysts Uh, Mackinder, for example, um, said that um, the domination of the world is determined uh, by the possession, by the possession of the central part of the Euro-Asian continent, which is Russia, the Ukraine, and part of Eastern Europe. So this is the center of the world the heartlands of the world. And those who rule it, rule the world. That was one conception. The other conception was, you need a Navy to rule the oceans. This is what the British did and what the Americans took over. So this is um, a competitive vision of the United States as a maritime power and a naval power. And um, Russia saw itself as a continental power uh, in possession of the heartland. Um, And this was contested because the Anglo-Saxon elites uh, wanted to rule the world for themselves. Um, And they knew that from this heartland, all their colonies in the Middle East and in India were threatened. So This Russian empire of the Tsar um, constituted a danger for Anglo-American global um, domination. Um, and um, the first one to reveal this secret history um, of the First World War was a man well-known among anthroposophists. It was Rudolf Steiner, who was also a geopolitical genius. So he was um, a fervent reader of newspapers, but he could also do spiritual research to to find certain secrets of, of occult history. And so in 1917, he analyzed the causes of the First World War and spoke about Western elites wanted to dominate the world and who for this purpose had planned to create enmity and hatred between Germany and Russia. According to Steiner, they knew that if Russia and Germany would unite, then there would be no Anglo-American global domination. It would fall into the hands of the Germans and the Russians together. So Steiner spoke about German capital, German intellectual um, talents and and inventions, and Russian resources, um, Siberian resources. Um, And they together would rule the world, in Steiner's view. Uh, But that would be something negative in his view, because steiner did not speak about domination of the world by germans and russians but he spoke about a spiritual marriage between russian culture and german culture that was his geopolitical vision so germany and russia should never become enemies because they would have to cooperate to create a spiritual future, a spiritual culture. So, German Geist, the German spirit, German creativity, German ingenuity, and Russian resources, and Russian ideals of brotherhood and sisterhood, of bringing the world together in peace. Um, So Steiner warned, against any attempt to alienate, to alienate Russia and Germany from one another. He wanted friendship between people, friendship between nations, but not friendship between empires. Uh, because then they would try to rule the world where they in, in fact had a spiritual mission to create a new culture and not an economic empire. But that was something that um, that belongs to one of the most, maybe even secret, anthroposophical visions of a future cooperation between German culture and Russian culture. And Steiner saw the causes of the First World War um, in 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 this um, geopolitical contest between um, East and West. Um, And he said, the purpose of this First World War, which was a planned war according to Steiner, and he was not a conspiracy theorist because he knew the facts and he could also look behind um, the spiritual screens. So um, it was meant the First World War to create um, conflict and war between Germany and Russia. Um, And this was um, all of a sudden, um, to the surprise of of many of my German friends um, who know about this statement of Steiner, 19. um, It was written down by Steiner in a memo in 1919. Um, So it was the American Geopolitical strategist um, Michael Friedman, um, who the founder of the Stratfor think tank, and for some years uh, Michael Friedman was very act, very active um, on on YouTube. It seemed, in which at one in one video he gave a lecture in Chicago, in which he spoke about um, the. the underlying vision of American foreign policy uh, to separate Germany and Russia from one another and to prevent them um, from uniting their forces because that would be the most dangerous thing for Anglo-Saxon world domination. And Friedman openly spoke about this, about the basic view the underlying vision of American foreign policy create um, uh, to separate Germany and, um, and Russia. Um, so my German friends, uh, mainly anthroposophical friends, found in this, um, this, uh, this message a confirmation of their own views um, that um, that Russia is not their enemy. But their karmic friend, their necessary friend for the creation of the of next step in the evolution of human culture. Uh, among my German anthroposophical friends, um, there are many who like Putin, who understand Putin. They call themselves uh, Putin Versteher. So those who understand Putin, and many of them are really Putin friends because they have the the idea Russia and Germany must never um, um, be separated. We Germans have to support uh, what is going on in Russia, we have to support Putin. Um, I never agreed with them um, because I don't think that Putin is a friend to be proud of, a friend on, on whom you can rely. Um, and now i would like to say something about putin and his background um, you have to know that um, since 1981 i've been visiting russia um, i've been there 15 times i spent about one and a half years of my life in russia i've been everywhere in the soviet union uh, if i speak russian i can follow russian I read Russian books, um, so I've been following um, the the administrations of Brezhnev and Gorbachev and Yeltsin and now Putin, um, and I got some insight into their personalities, but also in their policy policies. And Putin, of course, since 2000, has has had all my attention, and I've had I've read many books on on his life on his politics and i remember when his official biography appeared that was in the early 2000s and i bought this book written by a journalist for based on interviews with putin and it was a clear product of what is called an image making project Um, so all our politicians have developed a certain image um, for which they have used the advice of image creators, or image builders, as they are called. It's a profession, at least in Russia, but also here it is a matter of, um, of uh, propaganda, but also uh, public relations, that such people are used, and they've been used for already a hundred years in, in politics. So Putin is a is a secret service man who has always tried to hide um, his importance in this in the in the KGB system and he was he was working in in Dresden in Germany not in Berlin in the capital so it seemed it was an, a provincial town um, uh, with a KGB uh, group that was not, Important at all, otherwise, they would have been in Berlin. But Putin was in charge of two things. He was in charge of, um, of smuggling um, precious things from Russia, which could include icons, but also gold and silver and other minerals, and even gas and oil. And so, Bres- Dresden was um, uh, a trading center where Putin. Um, organized the selling of um, precious things um, um, in, the, in the order at the order of the KGB. Um, and the money that, um, that would be paid for these treasures would flow into the, into the contos, the bank accounts of KGB um, directors in Western countries. The second thing that Putin was in charge of was um, supporting um, disorder, creating disorder in Western countries, like the Minov group, like the anarchists in Italy. Um, so this is his past that ended in 1989. So he came back to, to Petersburg, where he came from, and received a position um in the town administration and they put him in charge of the export um the export office um, in the port of petersburg and there he again um he through his office went all these deals uh, with stolen goods and treasures from the soviet from from russia now to the west um and uh, finally he was brought to Moscow uh, in the year 2000 to solve a problem for Yeltsin. Uh, Yeltsin's daughter had compromised her father by uh, high degrees of corruption. And Putin was under attack from two sides, um, by rivals who wanted to to throw him out of his office and to become presidents of Russia themselves. But Putin solved the problem. he made a compromise with Yeltsin and his, uh, his family, and took over uh, on the last day of the year two thousand. And at first, um, he um, he wanted to um, um, he played um, the role of a friend um, of the West. He did not want. Um, conflicts with the West. This was a time when um, there was still, um, it it was still said uh, in certain circles in the NATO, that also Russia could be included as a member of NATO. And there was some interest in Russia uh, to become a member of NATO. Uh, But this was clearly not what the American industrial, military industrial complex wanted. So they needed NATO uh, for military production. They needed NATO uh, for new conflicts in the world and not as a peacemaking force. Um, Or that was at least how Putin understood it. Um, So Putin began to develop his independent position because he felt that Russia was not recognized as a superpower anymore. And so the pride of the Russians was shaken And they want to show that there is still a power to be reckoned with. Um, So Putin turned away from the West. Um, It took about a decade to do so. And he created an ideology that says Russia has a unique culture. That's point one. That is a very um, um, important um, message. To the russian people that they have an important role in the world that their culture is unique although they lost their, their empire they lost their influence in the world but they still have a unique culture the second point of this ideology is the west is corrupt and the west is decadent western culture is a danger to this authentic russian culture russian culture must be defended against these decadent Western influences. The third point in this ideology is, um, Russia has always been a victim of outside forces. So that we are weak is not our own fault, but it is because of the intrigues of our neighbors. So this is clearly an antagonism um, that he created in this ideology um in relation to um, the neighbors so in especially european union and america and then the the, the 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 last element of this ideology is the future of russia lies in asia not in europe it lies in asia So this is a turning away from western culture towards Eastern culture, including China. Um, with this ideology, Putin could defend um, his own policy of restoring um, Russia's uh, Russia's Russia's status as a superpower um, and um, defending. Um, the Russian power that had almost been lost, especially because most of the countries of the former Soviet Union had gone their own way. And part of his thinking was, this was the biggest catastrophe of the 20th century, this breaking apart of the Soviet Union. And we must try to undo it. And so, in this way, he could mobilize um, the Russian elites and he could mobilize the nationalistic feelings of the Russian population. So, to support him in his attempts to restore um, Russia as a superpower, that would have to unite also the Russians that were living outside the borders of Russia. So, also the Russians in the Ukraine. Um, and uh, for him, the Ukraine as a whole should belong to the Russian political sphere. It would be dangerous to allow the West to take possession of the Ukraine, incorporate it its, its into its sphere, place missiles on the Russian border. So this is, the, this is a, a, a horrible scenario for Putin, that the West would permanently have bases, military bases uh, in the Ukraine. Um, and Putin saw that uh, the American influence growing and growing in the last uh, 10, 20 years, 10 years especially. Um, and what he had to do is create some disorder in this country. Um, which which is a KGB, a secret service tactic to make your opponent weak, confront him with problems inside his own country. And so in 2014, after this Maidan revolution in which the West was victorious, and it was a revolution instead financed by Western NGOs, including Soros, and his Free Europe um, organization. Um, So Putin had to do something big um, to undermine the Western influence in the Ukraine, but installed, in his view, a puppet regime. Um, And so he took possession of the Crimea, which in fact had never belonged to the Ukraine, but had been a gift by Khrushchev. somewhere in the 1970s in the 1960s the russians were happy to retrieve the crimea from um, from uh, ukraine from the ukraine and so in different parts of the russian speaking areas um putin um instigated um, um insurgencies and so groups of russians Um, led and supervised and advised by Russian military people who had had come across the border um, to install a new government, a new town government, and so this this succeeded in the area of Donetsk, which is one of those two autonomous republics that were created in 2014. It failed in other towns, um, but uh, The strategy was the same. Um, um, Let Russian activists, Russian-speaking activists, storm the town hall, um, throw out the mayor, and replace it with your own people. And so this has happened in 2014. um, And when um, the Ukrainian 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 government um, decided to do something about it and the rumors say that the military action was prepared by the ukrainians but i have no confirmation of that uh, putin could um could come to their help um with what he said a peacekeeping mission so this invasion is presented on russian television as a peacekeeping mission it is forbidden to call it a war it is forbidden to call it um an invasion because that would be labeled as fake news and spreading fake news um, um, can give you can 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 give you a prison sentence of 15 maximal maximum 15 years now so putin is um is in this way um um, um, um Recreating so, um, Russian, the Russia, um, Russia as a state that extends its power uh, and creates wants to create a corridor between the west and the east. And this corridor uh, already um, included Belarus, and now he wants to include Ukraine in this corridor um so the problem is geopolitical the problem in the ukraine is also a problem between two language groups between two national consciousness, consciousnesses between two kinds of nationalism and um, between um people that have one common background common roots in 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 in, ki- in the kiev the first Kiev Russian Empire 1,000 years ago. And Putin tries as this vision to reunite the, the Russian-speaking people um, and again and to undo the catastrophe of the Soviet Union and its and its decline. And to establish himself as the leader of a very of a new powerful Russia that will look to China um, as um, as a friend and that will defend itself against um, against America and the European Union and um, it is difficult to understand um, what is happening in Russia. And many people who try to, to judge the situation in Russia have never been there. Um, and those who have been there and have followed the development of, um, of the Russian system have to say that Russia has become a totalitarian state. Um, and, um, and that it is not um, uh, not easy to live in the Russia of Putin when you have an independent mind. In fact it is very dangerous to have an independent mind. And those people who have protested against the war have been arrested and in the last weeks. And Putin is now speaking about cleansing the country because there are too many enemies of, of the Russian nation. There are too many betrayers, too many, yes, betrayers, he calls them. And so and this is this new program of cleansing to reunite the country to get rid of the internal and the inner enemies and the the people who betray the values of Russia. So this is for me, the background of the war. And it is clear that this war created, is creating now a new Cold War. And all of a sudden, nobody had expected this. But but, um, I would, we may think that Um, that um, in uh, in the view of Putin, uh, he has been uh, provoked by uh, American policy, by the elite of, by the attempts of the American elite to take possession of the Ukraine and its wheat fields and its its minerals and its gas and oil. So he felt threatened and in some way um, this was a chance for him um, to um, to destroy the Western influence of the Soviet Union. But in our days, this is still a war crime uh, to invade a country and to bring such destruction upon a country and its people. Um, and so for, all of, for, for most of us in Europe, this is a criminal act, um, and and many friends of Putin or former friends or former people who who tried to understand him, um, this is something they cannot understand, and they feel that something got terribly wrong in the field of di- of diplomacy, and that this is something that has to come back, um, and that only through diplomacy um, this war can be ended, but the consequences. Will be grave uh, because a new Cold War has started. And what this will cause, what this will have as consequences in the future is still difficult to see. We may think of a total global financial collapse and the end of the dollar as uh, the hegemonic uh, currency in the world. So I would like to stop here. Um, We've had a long talk. We've looked at a big history and we have looked at a geopolitical uh, conflict um, uh, into which, in my view, Rudolf Steiner gave the best um, and the first clear judgment. And this is um, what we all have to know, that there is this this geopolitical contest um, and that at stake is the future of global culture, because in this way, the future cooperation between German culture and Russian culture will be very difficult. So far, so good. Um, I'm now open to discuss with you questions.
0: So, we do have one question so far. And um, Finn Thomas Schramm has his hand up from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Finn, if you are available, you can unmute yourself and ask your question. Finn? Okay, well, we'll get back to Finn. And uh, we do have a chat question here from Marlia Barreto. I think that's how you say it. (laughs) I'm sorry if I got it wrong, but uh, your question is, what do you say about the new social order, the Great Reset? And why do anthroposophists deny this so much And the follow-up question is, um, what do you say about the China-India uniting with Russia now?
2: Um,
1: Well, not um, all anthroposophists um, are blind to the new reset. It is mainly um, the bourgeois anthroposophists um, who, um, who trust um the progress of technology and science and in fact also materialistic science and, who, and people who don't see uh, as anthroposophists um that this is a danger to our spiritual life that in fact this whole project of the great reset is the installation of a global government um that um, that, that um, that represents the interests of um, the big corporations. And so they have a materialistic point of view. They try to organize um, whole, as they did a whole health system based on uh, vaccines um, and on uh, artificial immunity uh, instead of based on natural immunity. So there are many anthroposophists who are very critical of this Great Reset but also those who just follow um, what their government says, They're law-abiding citizens. They don't think so much about what is really happening in this world and they don't believe that the prince of this world, Ariman, is now in charge. So they don't have enough, I would say, apocalyptic consciousness. That would be my answer to you. Um, China um, is a natural ally um, of the of the of the Soviet Union. Um, and the first reason is that um, that um, China needs a lot of resources, and the closest resources it can get um, are from Siberia. Um, and they share this communist past but that that certainly helps Uh, but they have claims the chinese have claims to uh, siberia Um, and so they work together with putin and they are already um, working on a different uh, payment system Um, and of um and of and, and they are preparing a trade system in which the dollar Uh, will not play a role anymore. Um, So That is also part of the future, that this unilateral world will give way to to a multilateral world. And in that new world order, um, China and India, uh, although they are not uh, at the moment very big friends, um, will become leaders. And America has to be very careful.
0: Okay, uh, next we'll go to Nev. You can unmute now, Nev, ask
3: your question. Hi there. Uh, hi to all of you. Hi. Yeah, this is Nev from Vancouver. But Hello, here. Nev. Hi, Harris. Um, what happened is I had to wait for your book for about a month, and I uh, I must say, I'm the guilty one. I didn't read it, but I have a few friends who came over the last 24 hours and they have taken your book apart. So one of them is a mathematician who is a very close friend of mine. Would you mind being asked a question by him? hes He just loves your book.
2: Uh-huh. So
3: yes. here is Lawrence and he's going to ask you a question. Hi,
4: Harry. Very- Hello, Lawrence. Um, your que- your speech today has inspired me on so many fronts. And I know that we have to really watch our time here, but in re- reading through the great reset and I finished it actually last night. Um, I'd like to ask you more about the mechanisms you would suggest for implementing the dreams and hopes and proposals that you see as necessary Uh, not only with regard to world government, but in a perhaps lower level, you know, resolving issues that you brought up about Russia and its culture and the power of its great thinkers from the past. Uh, Is there a way, for instance, to imagine a modern Russia, uh, which is a reunited artist, thinker, composer along the lines of the great uh, cultural icons of that country. Is there a way to have a peace in Europe that matches what was done in um, Yugoslavia? peace, relatively speaking, of unity of many different cultures? Can you see, or would you propose some mechanisms for how we can move forward on this
1: globally? Um, Well, Putin himself is certainly a great enemy uh, of the great reset and he wants to keep russia out of this world government in the making centered around the world economic forum Um, and russia did not accept all these rules created by the world health organization and instead it developed its own vaccine Um, it did not insist on um on 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 vaccination and in fact Very few people have been um, injected by this uh, chemical therapy, genetic therapy. Um, But Putin is not the right one to be the champion of this resistance against the Great Reset because the kind of system he offers is is, um, totalitarian. It is a kind of fascism. Um, So this is not the paradise where um, where people would, like, would, would have to go. Instead, I see possibilities of, um, of, of creating awareness of what is going on in this world. We are not well informed because we get the news only from um, certain channels that serve interests of, of leading powers and elites in our countries. So we, we need independent news agencies We need people who do investigate things uh, as journalists, as researchers, and then share them with with people who still want to have an independent judgment. And so that is one way uh, of creating free spaces of what I would say cultural life, where we share information, where we develop insights, and where our minds become free again because we have been part of a censorship that has been global. And this is one of, one of the things that happens behind the theater of the coronavirus. Um, so we have been um, subjected to censorship. Another um, fight we have to fight is the retrieval of, of politics in the real sense of politics by people, um, as Abraham Lincoln formulated this. um, The sphere of law in which people take decisions themselves instead of being um, ruled by elites um, for whom politicians are puppets. So what we have to do is create Everywhere where we are together with people in groups, but also in institutions, in communities, um, we have to create again a sphere of politics in which we take decisions as equals. So this is certainly my vision for a new, for a restructuring of of political life. And um, we have been facing a totalitarian system also in our, in our own Western countries, in which politicians don't take their own decisions anymore, uh, but uh, execute what has been dictated to them uh, from elites um, meeting in the World Economic Forum and its uh, its circles, and then the third area where we can re-establish ourselves as as agents of an economic life that is um that has as its basic value solidarity um so the world is being um, exp- is being exploited by the rich people of this world and they profited most of all the of all the corona uh, measures um and the corona epidemic as a whole has made the rich the rich people richer and the states Poorer. So I I analyze this as one of the greatest robberies um, in the modern world in modern history where the rich people of our of our world are, have, are stealing the money from the states who have to make debts and of people who have to pay uh, who have to finance their profits. So um, behind this Corona theater, I see this um, censorship issue. I see this um, abolition of political decision-making by the people. And I see this theft of a huge amount of money. And this is where that we have to know and that I've tried to describe in my book um, um, on the Great Reset. And there's another book of mine coming um soon uh, on the american market uh, also by threefold publishing so keep an eye on that book it's about um stolen wealth and about sharing wealth um so th- here we can already work but we need ins- we need knowledge we need to know facts we need insights and we need to have an understanding of of perspective that will bring us into a more humane culture. So that's um, my call um, to my listeners, uh, just to inform yourself and to see what you can do in your own neighborhood, in your own communities, with your own friends. And so what we are doing in Holland is creating parallel societies with hundreds of people who don't accept this, um, this, this medical dictatorship and who is now being faced with um with other um elements of this um, this totalitarian world government in the sphere of education in the sphere of agriculture in culture itself um so um we have to do something
0: thank you harry uh going to go to the chat before i get to those raising their hands again there is one from monica gold her question is is the current situation an attempt to destroy the future role of russia russian cultural epoch from unfolding as it should
1: Uh, well monica uh, i remember you very well you're an old friend um This is certainly an attempt to destroy the spiritual basis of our future. Russia has has an enormous potential um, of spiritual life. Um, In fact, before communism, Russia was a very spiritual country with thousands of pilgrims on the road, um, with people that um, that were sharing everything they had with others. Um, and the nation in which there were ideals, um, national ideals about reconciliation, recon- bringing reconciliation to the whole world. So when we read Dostoevsky and Solovyov um, and these writers, we see um, um, in their views, uh, a hope for humanity, which is, Uh, not based on getting rich, but on becoming good people. Um, I remember when I was in Russia myself, so you see still beggars everywhere in Russia, Um, especially in Moscow. Life is so expensive in Moscow, you cannot believe it. Um, And in Russian understanding, the beggar is close to God. So when you give him uh, some money, he will pray for you. Um, And being poor is not a shame in Russia, has never been a shame. And people have always been able to survive with the barest means of survival. Um, When I compare that with with my culture or with American culture, um, the beggar is not close to God, but it is the rich person is close to God. He needs this kind of wealth around him to be sure that of God's election. um, After death, Um, so there is this treasure of values in Russian culture that has just that just began um, to to show itself to the outside world in the 19th century, and then came communism, and this was then a barbarization of Russian culture where many of those leaders of culture were sent to the gulag camps. Um, So this has already been an attack on the future of Russian culture. And um, so then the World War, the Second World War, which killed so many Russians, um, carriers of future impulses, and then also this new demonization of the Russian nation um, um, is also not creating, it's, it's in fact it's not creating good conditions for the development of Russian, of the Russian future. But we have to know that there are millions of Russians who decided to leave um, modern civilization and who received from, gov- from the Russian government two and a half acres, one hectare. And so thousands of people built a farm on their per- private property of four acres, two and a half acres, and they, they can make a living there because this land suffices to, pr- to, to provide your own food. And so this is a new movement in Russia, back to the land, back to nature, and away from this materialistic civilization. So here we see there is still some hope for Russia. It lies in its connection with the Earth, and which is in fact Mother Earth. Um, Of course, this would um, lead me into a new lecture, Uh, but I think your question points to, to a huge problem that the spiritual foundations of the Russian nation are being destroyed and being perverted, not only by communists, in the 20th century, but also by this Putinism, um, which um, which gives to the Russians a false mission. Uh, their mission, as it was formulated by Dostoevsky and Solovyov, was to unite humanity, to unite nations. And now what is happening is that for the, for the next centuries, there will, we will have a problem between Ukrainians and Russians and they are brothers and sisters. So this is a way of thinking of Putin that is unacceptable and it will destroy us um, in our cultural perspective Um, because many people, uh, for example, many German anthroposophists would like to incarnate in their next lives in Russia, but you cannot incarnate in this totalitarian Russia. There's no way of developing a free cultural life or an economy of solidarity or a state of law because there is no state of law in russia now there is no independent press there is no independent um, um, court um, so it is not a country where you wish yourself to be born uh, in your next life yeah so far monica and see you hopefully again um, <laughs> But I have still a piece of a question that I saw on my screen. How can we imagine that the elites are stealing money from the States and from us? Um, I can explain that. Um, Because of all these measures to save the economy, um, the governments, our governments have to make new debts um, and trillions of dollars um, have to be borrowed on the financial market. Um, and this is not air mon- money. This is this is not air. This is money that has to be paid by American taxpayers um, and European taxpayers. So all countries have become poorer because so much um, economic support had to give, had to be given to companies because of this this crazy lockdown, which was not necessary at all. Um, not. Um, not after one month. So uh, one month of lockdown would have been enough. Um, but so uh, our economy suffered terribly and people were forced to use um, um, electronic equipment, to use the internet, to work from home, uh, to, to use Zoom. Um, and um, so the wealth of the of the owners, of the shares of these tech companies has exploded. Uh, And so many people have become poor because of the lockdowns and the economic problems, so many problems, so many people have um, been through a bankruptcy Um, and this is the impoverishment of the majority of the people. And it is the enrichment of of the 1% of the rich people and this is the, the great theft that they committed. And their uh, their their additional their, their property should be highly taxed um, to get back some of this wealth, which in fact they have stolen. But so this is the way I would like to explain this: that our government, our states have become poor, um and
2: um, our poor have become poorer.
0: Thank you, Harry. And uh, now we'll just take a
2: question from. Raphael uh, Baldwin, uh you can unmute now.
5: Hi, Harry. Hello, Raphael. This time not from Norway, but from Donna, from Switzerland. I, I understand you very well. Great. <laughs> right. Well, I have a funny question. Um, in the recent years, the crucial question when strange things happened like uh, bombings terror things or whatever was always who 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 has uh, who mm-hmm. has used it right and if you yeah. ask that question about this event you might think that okay it terribly damages europe it terribly damages as you said the relationship now and in the future between middle europe central europe and russia and uh, who benefits from it is On the one hand, uh, globalism and uh, transhumanism and the whole great reset agenda and uh, the totalitarian agenda in Russia. So it's almost like this Orwellian 1984 picture where you have two uh, eternal enemies who have totalitarian censorship to the inside and who always project their hatred to the other enemy and thereby always can justify their own uh, censorship and totalitarianism. So since Putin has been uh, a student, uh, a fellow of uh, the Young Global Leaders program of Klaus Schwab, and has been in these circles, I was asking myself, well, is he really that uh, opponent to the Great Reset, as he seems to be in certain ways and in his way of criticizing it, or is he on a higher level actually serving uh, this agenda, uh, while at the same time um, having a wonderful way now of introducing this totalitarian uh, system to the inside?
1: Um, who is benefiting from this? Uh, well, certainly the military industrial complex, So everywhere the expenses um, spent on defense and military expenditure um, will just explode. Um, um the NATO will become stronger, um, and so this is um, one beneficiary, uh, people who have invested their money in military industry. Um, but if Putin belongs to the inner circle of Klaus, Klaus Schwab. Um, I don't know. Uh, certainly he, um, he wants to keep the multinationals, the Western big corporations, out of Russia and he wants to um um, to his elite his russian elite to benefit from the 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 resources of russia Um, now what we see here um is 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 a strange image Um, in the past reagan was speaking about the empire of evil in the east and when we are now uh, talking with Russians around Yelts, around um, Putin, he would speak. They would speak about the evil in the West. Um, as I said already, in Germany, I have many Putin friends and many people who understand Putin, but they seem to forget, um, or they don't want to see that he is also that he also has an evil face, that we are in fact li- living between two evil powers and we suffer in a tragedy that what was once the middle ground, Central Europe, the spiritual and cultural territory, this middle ground has been lost. And so now two evil forces um, from the East and from the East, from the West, are now facing each other, and there is no bridge anymore. The West wants to fight, Russia wants to fight, Um, and there is no bridge and so in a way ukraine should become a a country that bridges our systems also germany should not become should not be um, a satellite of the united states but it should also be part of this middle ground of this central position that can harmonize um, um that can harmonize opposing forces and bring them together. So this was the mission of Steiner in his social work, social activism, um, to create a middle position, but he failed. And Western Europe became part of what Steiner called in 1917, um, the area of of, um, the Anglo-American plutocracy. so what Steiner could not bring about, and what has been constantly um, attacked from both sides, is the establishment of a centre between two opposite directions. Um, and now, uh, because we don't have this independent middle Europe anymore, or even an in, in, in independent Europe between east and west, that would even be better. Um, between america and 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 the east um, we have to create centers of um, of this middle european consciousness of this middle position and um, from where we can um, mm-hmm. have an influence on both sides because together they will only clash and we will be um we will suffer so in in this clash and and, and in this this uh, in in this future that may bring even more uh, warfare. Um, so now we are people from all over the world who uh, who try to understand what is going on here and what we can do about it. And I think what we can do about it is. Um, understand what's going on understand as you said who is um, whose interests are served the kui bono to whom it is good um it shouldn't uh, this um uh, and we should be together create a situation in in which um, um say millions of millions of independent people can create a new future between this um this polarized condition uh, of east and west in in, in conflict um, so rudolf steiner had this vision of the future he said um at some time in the future the big controversy will be between america and china um, and the question that he had is will this conflict be fought across the Pacific or across Europe and so Europe is now part of this this West and we are drawn, we have been drawn into this conflict that will not end for the next that will not end soon and it may lead to a total catastrophe for civilized for the civilized world um so we have to work together to create such an independent, condition um, um, in which millions of independent people will work together for the best interests of the whole of humanity. So now um, from the West we see an elite that is working in the ben- uh, in the service of their own interests it is not the in- interest of the world population uh, from Russia and from China we also cannot expect, that they take care of the interests of humanity that is what we have to do uh, independent people in the past it was the task of europe but europe um, does not function like that anymore and so it is us how can we create um, a spiritual europe or a spiritual middle ground in which we bring together people who are now attacking each other so, Raffel, this was this would be part of my answer. I hope to see you again sometime in Dornach or maybe in Norway, <laughs> if you're still there.
0: Thank you, Harry. So, I want to thank everybody for being here again. It's, uh, it's really um, quite nice that we have Harry Salman uh, giving his talk on Ukraine. It's very important to understand the geopolitical and, you know, uh, behind the scenes of You know just who putin is so we'll go with uh yania belcher from vancouver uh vancouver island her question is how do you see the integration of ideas by steiner that pointed that pointed to the necessity for certain technologies for the future life that would not be denied that would need to learn to live with because of a certain change that will be happening in the human body, et cetera, as we move forward towards ascension. In the very complex discussion around working against the great reset, how do you see this? This talk here is organized by anthroposophists working through Mystic, people who are working to find the truly soul spiritual process through this. How do you see the three occult regions and how do you stand in these truths? I speak as someone with Eastern, uh, eastern and western backgrounds including important relationships with certain russian spiritual people also how do you imagine that those russians outside of russia will uphold the soul spiritual truths that are deep in the akashic despite where they may be displaced that's a very long question, but perhaps you can question,
1: difficult question hopefully you answer. can uh, you <laughs> follow along. Maybe for a missed conference in August. Um, um, let's see. According to Steiner, there is um, a eugenic occultism in the East. That is Russia, but also China and India. So the whole of Asia more or less. has this talent to um, influence um, the 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 incoming of souls that want to be born so that is what steiner uh, describes as eugenic occultism so people can um, when they want to conceive a child um, create such conditions that only certain child children um, can come to the to to Earth, and um, so they can promote the arrival of good souls with spiritual missions. Um, but in a negative way, they can also promote the arrival of criminal souls, um, who uh, who will not have possibilities uh, to to transform themselves. Um, And then there is this therapeutic occultism, which is connected with Central Europe, but with Europe in general, in which people will develop healing forces. And then there is this mechanical occultism that is connected with the West, where people will develop skills to let engines work through etheric or spiritual energies um and um, what has happened is that in America uh, millions of of European souls um, have, um, have that uh, that millions of European people have immigrated to America so bringing with them uh, these um these skills of therapeutic uh, me- occultism and also already millions of, russian and asian souls have come to the united states so that in fact all the three occultisms, so the three occult faculties of the future are there uh, so america has it all um, but the question is what will they do with it will they will people use these 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 spiritual faculties for egoistic purposes or for the good of humanity um will these faculties connect us with angelic forces or with devils so this is the main question that steiner was very much concerned about and so he was speaking about um a technology and um, that would serve humanity and that would bring people together and that would connect them with Good spiritual beings. So, this is how we use technology, in what way? And what kind of technology do we develop? And so are we, we are now developing technologies to control people uh, worldwide and to survey them. Um, and this is not clear, this is clearly not what Steiner um, had in mind and um, when he was speaking about the spiritual culture a spiritual culture needs technology and um, but what kind of technology that was the question that we still have to solve and where the development of technology should not be determined by inventors who are inspired by demonic forces because that is what i see happening now and um, all these dangerous technologies uh, including um, uh, genetic technologies biotechnologies artificial intelligence are certainly not inspired by angelic beings Um, they would inspire other kinds of technology Um, so this is we are now moving into a dangerous territory uh, which in steiner's view has to come because it is part of human evolution, it is part of human experience. Um, But how are we going to deal with it? And that is a question of conscience and consciousness that Steiner wanted to promote through anthroposophy. So that is also why uh, the study of um, anthroposophical impulses in the realm of technology that as Mistec is doing is so important because we have to face technology Um, But we have to learn how to deal with it and to develop a technology, um, a spiritual technology, instead of a materialistic technology. So that would be my short answer and maybe a longer answer uh, on a MISTECH conference. Okay.
0: Thank you, Harry. We have one um, from Vivian.
6: Hi, Harry. My name is Eli Riel. My uh, wife logged me in. But okay, uh, I, wanted, I, wanted, I wanted to thank you for the talk. I really enjoyed that. And I had a question for you about a legend that Rudolf Steiner recounted, and that ha- it had to do with Constantine the Great, who in 330 AD consulted the Sibyls, the Sibylline Oracle, and the Sibylline Oracle told him that Rome would become the den of foxes and wolves.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: And Constantine wanted to preserve the power of Rome for another thousand years. And what he knew about his Roman emperor was a thing called the Palladium. Yeah. Have you ever heard the legend of the Palladium? Yes, I have. Well, I'm an anthroposophical numismatist, and I found an image of the Palladium on a denarius struck in Carthage, 200 B.C., with Ananias, two Trojans, Ananias and Anchisi playing Troy. And one of them had in his outstretched hand, a statue of Athena or the Palladium. Yes. And Snyder had said that the Palladium would be, that it was transplanted to Constantinople and then disappeared. But he said in the future it would be found and transported up into Russia. Yes and i th- I think that legend really helps us understand everything you said about the possibility of preserving the 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 sixth cultural age, the age of the spirit self for us as
1: anthroposophists in the future. Yes uh, well, this image of um of the goddess Athena um, was about some sixty centimeters high. It was a small statue. And there were several of them in different temples in different cities um and according to Steiner, this palladium represents the spiritual intelligence of man um the cosmic intelligence of man um that um, where this image of this famous image that uh, that for some time stayed in troy and so for that reason it was attacked so that the Palladium, as a, as a symbol of power, spiritual power, could come back to, to Greece from where it had been stolen by the Trojans. Um, and so it was brought to Rome when Rome established itself as a center of power. But when Constantine in the fourth century uh, wanted to build a new Rome, which is Constantinople, originally he wanted to build it on the site of Troy, in Asia Minor, so the west of Turkey, not far from Istanbul now. Um, this um, this palladium um, has not disappeared. According to Steiner, it was still there, and it is um, located in the ruins of a temple, the Vesta Temple in Istanbul, and it is under the, the so-called burned pillar. Um, and in the 1930s, a couple of anthroposophists organized an expedition to Istanbul. They rented a barber shop at this square of the burnt column, and they began digging a hole, digging a tunnel, and to, to, to get it, to fetch it, and to bring it to Dornach. So imagine, palladium is a symbol of the spiritual intelligence, as a symbol of power, to Dornach but they could not enter this, this, this ruin. Um, so it was blocked. And so the image is still there. But Steiner says in the future, it will be transferred to Kiev as um, at the beginning of the new culture, um, of the new sixth culture, so the, the Slavic culture. And then they will have the, the Palladium placed in a temple again. And so, this will represent the cosmic intelligence that people after a few centuries or a few thousand years will have developed. Um, So, it is a powerful legend and it still has meaning because, and that was also behind the attempts of the Russian Tsars to conquer Constantinople because then they would from there take the Palladium to Moscow. So that also failed. They never uh, conquered Istanbul. Um, And certainly because the other European powers did not want Russia to conquer um,
2: Constantinople, because that would make Russia too powerful. This is the story of the Palladium,
1: symbolizing our cultural future in Russia.
0: Thank you, Harry. Uh, I'm gonna combine two questions in this next one. Uh, One person was asking uh, about the uh, the energy uh, from Russia to Europe. Yeah. And what will be in place if energy cannot flow from Russia. And the other one is about the uh the talk about or the denial about bioweapons and uh biolabs in um ukraine and how it how does that fit into this whole conflict war of putin on uh, ukraine
1: yes um gas is still flowing um through europe from through russian pipes gas is in fact still flowing into the ukraine the Russians did not cut it. Uh, they don't want to starve the Ukraine. That is clear. Um, they try to sell, to continue selling gas to Europe. Uh, but Europe now decided to make itself independent of Russian gas. And that is also what the United States already decided. So the, the result might be more fracking, which is also a crime to nature. Um, or um, or speeding up um, other sources of energy and among that might be nuclear energy
2: so for some uh, and that
1: is that is also a problematic uh, way out of this energy crisis and so uh, western countries or european countries that is what i can uh, see around me um are
2: um are Planning
1: to become independent of Russian gas within one year, and this would mean more wind energy, more solar energy, um, and other forms of of energy. Um, but this um, is a costly affair, and energy prices are are are, um, are, uh, are ramping up. Um, so, and this will make life more difficult for the poor people because already so many people in in, 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 in European countries cannot pay their energy bills anymore. So um, this is one aspect. It is difficult at this moment to do without Russian gas. Um, but this is now a way to punish Russia, um, to not buy gas anymore in the future. Then of course it will go to China and probably India. Um, but the whole energy system has been built around this cooperation uh, between Russia and Europe, and so everywhere are pipelines, um, and this is a basic income of Russia because Russia um, has um, has an economy that is not that is is about the size of Texas. So imagine the Russian economy and its national product is small. It is not much more than Spain. Um, so, and they're basically exporters of minerals and raw materials. And they have a very weak economy, um, of in a very weak industrial economy. And they're also exporting um, wheat and, and, and some other uh, agricultural projects, but uh, they have a very one-sided economy. And this, in this sense, also Russia will very will face very difficult times, and even an economic collapse. But Putin knows that the Russians can survive always. And they've survived two world wars, and they will survive more. Um, so he's not um, taking care concerned about it very much. Then the other question: bio labs. Um, um, it is for me a, a fact that um, the american uh, that america uh, or the pentagon financed um bio labs in the ukraine um maybe 10 maybe 20 maybe even 30 um and that all kinds of experiments are taking place that are not allowed uh, in the united states and for this reason also genetic um engineering of viruses was, um, uh, was outsourced to Wuhan, um, but not only to Wuhan and to the Ukraine. Um, the United States is outsourcing the virus research There are such secret labs in many, many countries of the world that do not, that are very corrupt and that don't have um, the regulations that exist in the United States. Um, so I don't think that this was a reason for the attack um, on Ukraine, because Russia itself has such bio labs, and they are producing the same kinds of um, they are doing the same kinds of virus experiments. And so this is not something um, that they are that 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 are only taking place um, in in America. This is this kind of research is being done in, in dozens of countries, including in Holland, uh, there is one lab. Um, so this
2: is not the reason, but it is an additional reason. Um, 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 and um,
1: and this is also, for me, one of the evil aspects of technology, uh, that, um, that we have to transform into the future, into a spiritual, um, to a spiritual technology, even a technology um, that is already working in our bodies, because we are constantly changing our DNA. Um, in the course of our lives, our DNA is changing. And the way our genes, um, in, in, in in terms of epigenetics, our genes can be turned off and turned on. And this is an inner technology, that we need. And we need also even viruses to improve the condition of our genetic structure. And in fact, half of our genes, our genetic structure has been incorporated, has been has come from viruses in the last millions of years. So this is a technology that is taking place in our body. And that can be guided through our higher consciousness. And we do not need genetic engineering from outside. Uh, from labor-, labor laboratories. So um, this is taking place also in Russia. Um, and so this is um, not um, an argument they can use um, in full faith because they themselves, they do the same. Thank
0: you, Harry. Um, let's just um, ask one more question uh, before we end and um i'm going to combine two of them uh one from ari and um, one from raul again um was uh, can you speak about the aramonic influence that occurred and that was in force in the first second world war and um can you say something about the Azures uh, today um, having a role? And Raul wants to know. And this is a good way to end uh, our talk today. Is um, can you speak on the Etheric Christ in all presence? In uh, and uh, our next development, or essentially, can we find the the Etheric Christ? Uh, in today's
2: uh, events?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yes, when I, when I address myself to Ari, um, I don't like to speak about forces of evil, but sometimes it is necessary to expose them. Um, but we should not fixate our gaze on them because then we become like them. Um, in my historical analysis, since the 19th century, when the Archangel Michael threw the fallen angels onto the earth, they took possession of human souls and, and of social life. And that means for me, since the end of the 19th century, we live in the world of fallen angels. Um, so we live in an Arimanic world. He is it is our it is his world in which we live and so we don't have to be surprised that so many evil things are happening because these these fallen angels um, inspire the evil people in our world they inspire um, inventors and politicians and and bosses of corporate corporations So this this has become, in my view, a completely criminal world in which we live. And even science um, is more and more becoming a bought science in which industry dictates the the, the outcomes of scientific research. Um, This whole vaccination business and this whole corona business and and virus changing business is, is criminal activity. Um, and instead of, um, of looking only at the criminal activities of people who are in fact agents of Ariman and fallen angels, we should look at people who are inspired by spiritual beings of a good kind. We should look at people who, who experience Christ in their lives and um, who become in this sense of in relation to each other, social priests, um, or for whom working with other people is becoming a sacrament, because they experience the other people with which they live and work as made into the image and likeness of God. Um, so that is what is now um, uh, disappearing into the background when we are in a world living in a world that is so strongly um, under the control of evil forces, that many people feel helpless um, to grow spiritually and to and to, to 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 unite forces for the benefit of humanity. Um, so there are people who work together with spiritual beings, um, but I don't speak about it. Uh, we can see it and experience it. So we need to be part of such groups to work for the good, to work with uh, spiritual beings, as I described in my book, The Social World as Mystery Center. Um, This is our future. Um, And then um, we should not forget that we carry evil also within us. Um, um, So when we uh, demonize uh, Putin, we should also not forget that we have an inner put in, that we have evil tendencies, that um, that we also have our human doubles, into which these evil forces can work because we open the gates to them um, through our negative thoughts and negative feelings and negative impulses. So there is a lot of inner work necessary to be able to to work with good spiritual beings, um, and this is something that usually we neglect or we don't see that that inner work is is so much important when we do outer work um so we have to be very much we have to 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 develop self-knowledge and understand that the evil is also in us and that we can transform it and that we then do something good for these fallen angels so they become um they they recover their origi- original quality when we overcome evil in, our, in ourselves. So that's the spiritual secret that the salvation of the fallen angels also depends on human beings. Um, and so this is taking place and there are groups in which people support each other. And this should also be the sense of being together with fellow anthroposophists uh, to have them as participants in our transformation processes in an inner way, also in a social way, and in a spiritual way. So this is happening, um, but it is not so visible in our world. And in this sense, sense, anthroposophy has not become the cultural factor as Rudolf Steiner envisioned it or hoped for it. Um, But still, this, this task remains in spite of all situations um
2: and um
1: so and yeah uh, so in this in this sense we can look at the 20th century as a century of evil uh, and bigger evil is still about to come when we see now that ariman is incorporating itself in the whole world worldwide web in technology and probably also in a human being as Steiner predicted. And this should be in our times. But also Steiner would be back in our times. So they are again facing each other. Um, uh, um, And we cannot expect that um, Christ is restoring goodness to our planet and to an evil political system this is what human beings have to do. Um, and although they are totally, uh, or or every day, they are being manipulated and being lied to. So we live in, in, in a culture of lies and, and, and fear, uh, and that we should overcome, and then we can already make a, a next step forward. And this has been done by many people um, in the Corona crisis, that, that did not allow themselves to be vaccinated um, or even tested. Um, so Ariman is everywhere, uh, but where is Christ? And I would say Christ is closest to people who suffer. Um, so I can imagine that Christ is in Ukrainian cities that are um, under attack, that are bombed, that Christ is among people who are in basements um, in the cold um, and while their 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 homes are bombed um, and shells are flying everywhere and um, so this is where you you would expect Christ and he is he has come to give consolation to people um, to give advice to counsel them and to be among people who are working together. so this is for me, very basic experience that when i speak with people um small or in small groups or in bigger groups we can together create an atmosphere um an etheric sphere in which christ can be among us and that we can experience him Um, and i've and i've and I've been in many situations in which I had a feeling he is there and he he is the source of so many good intuitions and insights that people sometimes receive um, and good inspirations um, so this is the other side that is almost invisible um, because we are often focused too strongly on the evil but the evil is a shadow and um, of good things that are have taking place everywhere. And we see, or we may see Christ at work, also in Russia, uh, where people don't accept the totalitarianism of Putin, and um, where they don't accept the lies that they hear constantly on television. So when I look at Russian programs, and I sometimes do, I see horrible propaganda, where they speak about Nazis in Kiev, where they speak about traitors of 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 their nation where television is creating a mass of patriots who who support putin um, putin also created something um as um, of this perverse um of a perverse ideal of russia of self-isolation where many Russian people um, just um, want to be good for others, which I have so often experienced myself during these one and a half years that I was living in Russia, traveling and working with Russians. So the Athera Christ is among us, um, but we don't see him. And this is what we have to learn. and that is what I think one of the basic messages of Anthroposophy is that the Aetheric Christ can be experienced and that we have to know how to find him. Because here is the healing force um, that
2: um, transforms um, evil.
1: Um, I would say, um, in, with our cooperation. And this cooperation is essential.
0: Well, thank you, Harry, very much for being here with us. And I'm sure everybody is um, joining in and thanking you right now. Um, we're very grateful for you to um, come on and uh, share your thoughts on the Ukrainian war or the war in Ukraine um, and and Russia and the, the um Uh, the connection uh, there with the rest of the West of the world powers as well. And also the fact that you um, you came on so quickly after I asked you, (laughs) which was just a week and a half before this, this took place. So um, I know it's, it's current in a lot of people's minds and I'm very grateful that uh, you just uh, agreed to do it. Uh, So (laughs) <laughs> this is my work Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that but uh but mostly in front of people and I get that and you're not really wanting to be on Zoom which I get that too. Mm-hmm. Um most of the times but uh here you know times are the way they are so um so again thank you. And it was a, pl-
1: um, was a pleasure for me to <laughs> share my thoughts with you. <laughs>
0: very good um i just before we end again i just want to remind everybody that in two weeks time boyd collins will be speaking about the metaverse which is also happening uh right now if you don't know about the metaverse it is the incarnation the next incarnation of the internet it's the um it's the embodiment of uh us into the internet so uh if you ever wanting to know what that is all about and what we are stepping into, uh, this decade. Uh, please don't miss that. And, uh, hopefully we'll see you then. And thank you again, Harry. You have a good night.
2: You're welcome.